Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Big Little Lies. Adina, this is such an exciting episode. You know why? Why? It's our first series we're talking about. I know, our first TV show. We're already breaking the rules of our own podcast. <laughs> the opening where we say movie, movie adaptation, it's already crap. Yeah. All the rules are out the window because <laughs> this week we're talking about the HBO series, Big Little Lies. Yep. And it's exciting to talk about a series, I think, because mm-hmm. TV is so prominent right now yeah. and is kind of, you know, we're in the golden age of television. And as a book lover, I get really excited about TV show adaptations because it's just more time, more opportunities to expand or actually really dig into the book, you know, because like a number one complaint from people who love books is when they see the movie, oh, well, they left that out. They left that out. Mm -hmm. They left that out. And, you know, they have to because a movie is too hours long yeah we went through like 12 years of that with every harry potter movie yeah oh i like it but they left out the part part. with the elf and the (laughs) the other elf yeah (laughs) but uh yeah so and you know i think a lot of times movies are seen as like shallower versions of the story because they can't cover everything Mm -hmm. uh sometimes they're better but a lot of times they just can't cover as much Mm -hmm. so with a series, they can even actually expand upon. Yeah, add to the story. Add to the story, the original content. And, mm-hmm. you know, with the number of platforms that TV's available on now, both online and actually on cable, yeah. and the production values being up so high that mm-hmm. now you have actual, you know, you have movie talent like uh, Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon in this case, yeah. actually seeking out to do a television show. This is a good-ass show. It's like, so good. From a pro- production standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, the scenery, the filming, it's all amazing. The acting. Uh, so it's definitely like a higher quality. Yeah. TV's like no longer like a second rate like experience mm-hmm. in terms of production values. So yeah. I'm glad we're finally getting to cover one. Me too. So uh, Big Little Lies was written by Leanne Moriarty Moriarty in 2014, (laughs) and she's actually an Australian author, so her story is set in Australia. Whereas the TV show is set in California, Mm -hmm. and the show came out this year, 2017. Uh, It was created and written for television by David E. Kelly, and was directed by, I'm probably butchering his name, (laughs) Jean-Marc Vallée, who uh, directed Wild and Dallas Buyers Club. So he's worked with Reese Witherspoon in the past. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And he actually directed every episode of this show, which isn't always the case. A lot of times shows will get different directors for different uh, episodes. And Mm -hmm. he was only originally supposed to do two episodes, but he kind of got more tied into it. And I think it ended up helping the show. Yeah. To have one vision. Yeah. Giving it a continuity, you Mm -hmm. know. Uh, So I guess let's get into it. Yeah. Let's set up the story. Mm hmm. So it takes place in a coastal town, whether that's in Australia or California, and it's kind of about uh, a first grade or kindergarten class of kids, and um, it focuses on the moms, and uh, there's three main characters, Celeste, Madeline, and Jane, and then there's two uh, side characters who are also important, Bonnie and Renata. Yes, Uh, and the very first thing Mm -hmm. we find out is that there's kind of a flash forward in the story. Yeah. And we discover there's a murder. Mm-hmm. And it, on trivia night. On trivia night. <laughs> um, so a parent fundraising event, someone mm-hmm. murders someone else. Yeah. And police are investigating. Mm-hmm. And the setup is that different parents and uh, kind of eyewitnesses that you see in the background throughout the show are all being interviewed. Yeah. 
and they and all, they're all like little little side characters yeah most mm-hmm. of them don't even talk yeah uh but they're kind of sitting down in a interview situation and mm-hmm. they'll keep reappearing i think throughout the book too yeah. right mm-hmm. little and, snippets at the beginning and end of chapters yeah and throughout the show they'll kind of keep popping in and they'll usually like give some kind of either quip or some kind of insight about what's going on you or know? some kind of ominous forewarning about maybe who killed who mm-hmm. uh what did you think of the it's okay yeah yeah i mean it kind of i get the setup in the beginning but i don't know if it was necessary throughout the whole show yeah like i think and the book i think it, it's fine in the beginning and they did kind of use that as a prelude in the beginning um but and I, I get I get trying to remind you at like all the time sure. that there's that going on. But some of it, like they didn't really add any important information. They were just gossiping about the main characters, basically. Yeah. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why do we need this? Yeah. I mean, it kind of adds to that idea of like... People talking about each other. Yeah. And, the, and all the main characters always being kind of under the microscope of the whole town. That's true. Uh, yeah. But when... It seemed a little too much at times. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And for earlier scenes, so like there are some early plot lines that are a little purposefully melodramatic and kind of funny in that way. There's a Mm -hmm. whole thing with a birthday party where two of the moms are fighting over it and not inviting other kids. Yeah, it's it's kind of Yeah, it's kind of melodramatic, but the uh, Greek chorus of uh, interviewees who are Mm -hmm. talking about it kind of like, they kind of add an acknowledgement of how silly it is yeah. you know what I mean and how mm-hmm. goofy yeah. so it works in that situation uh, but then other times when the show gets very real mm-hmm. and tackles like much larger more serious issues yeah it seems like it's too much and mm-hmm. you want to focus on that serious issue and not these catty people who are like yeah she's not pretty yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah they they feel like they're from a different show yeah they kind of feel like they're from a uh, like a csi kind of show where mm-hmm. everyone's a little bit too observant and kind of too nonchalant about someone being murdered yeah <laughs> and it just doesn't jive sometimes with what's actually going on during mm-hmm. the show yeah. I'd say about 80, maybe not, like 75% of the time, it's good. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. But then every once in a while, there's a line that it's just kind of, yeah, kind of grates. It's not mm-hmm. great. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the initial setup. Yeah. And then we kind of are introduced to the main characters. Mm-hmm. So Jane is a mom who's, she's young and she's new to the town. Single mom. She mm-hmm. moves for the good public schools. Yeah. And her arrival kind of sparks all of the events that kind of follow yeah uh so her son on uh in it what orientation orientation day. i forgot what it's called <laughs> <laughs> on orientation day uh gets accused by another little girl of choking her yeah she has marks on her neck mm-hmm. and, and the teacher makes this girl point out who did it like in a lineup yeah of the students you know it's, it's very ridiculous all the parents are picking up the kids and mm-hmm. she's like you know what why don't you just point to someone and accuse them publicly <laughs> and we'll just make this a whole spectacle yeah so of course tensions are high and ziggy immediately says i didn't do that you know it wasn't me and you know jane kind of looks at him and asks him she's like did you did you do this tell me you know and ziggy which is her son's name is like no i didn't and you know she stands up for him she said yeah. you know ziggy doesn't lie i believe him mm-hmm. um and then the little girl who was bullied and who was choked uh amabella her mom renata 
is obviously upset about it. Yeah, and she immediately believes Amabella. Of course. And her accusations. So mm-hmm. she she confronts Jane and her son Ziggy. Yeah. And then Madeline, who's another main character who kind of befriends Jane. Yeah. Stands up to her. Yeah. And it's kind of what sparks this controversy. And one mm-hmm. of the parents in the interview portion kind of says battle lines were drawn then. Madeline versus Renata. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And versus Madeline Jane. Madeline takes Jane's side, I think, because she feels bad. Because everyone's sort of ganging up on her and yeah. she's new and she's a single mom and all that. Um, but yeah, Madeline is a, you know, kind of more forceful and takes Jane's side. And then it does set up the events for the rest of the story. Yeah. So we kind of talked about what the best way to tackle this story because there's so many characters and interweaving there's plots. There's so much that happens. Yeah. And we thought the best way would just be to take the three main characters mm-hmm. and talk about their arcs up until about like the final episode of the show. Yeah, right before Trivia Night. Right before Trivia Night, yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Let's start with Madeline. Yeah, let's start with Madeline. Mm -hmm. Uh, Madeline, who's played by Reese Witherspoon. She might be my favorite character. Yeah, she's so great. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the first thing you immediately think, or I did immediately think of, was that you know people like her. Yeah. She's very forward Mm -hmm. and aggressive. Gets what she wants. But she's also... um, you know, doesn't bullshit people. Yeah. And she's fiercely loyal and Very a good loyal friend. To her friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's something so kind of authentic and raw about her character. Yeah. That you really she she's immediately the person you're most interested in. Yeah, I'm most drawn to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so go ahead. <laughs> uh she's so Madeline is married to Ed and they have a daughter, Chloe. And Madeline also has a daughter from a previous marriage, Abigail. And um, her ex-husband, Nathan, also lives in the town. So that's awkward. Yeah. So there's kind of this constant conflict between... She's always running into him. Yeah. And And he has a new wife, Bonnie, who's Mm -hmm. young and cool and into yoga and... Yeah. And they have a little girl who's in the same grade as Chloe. So they're... Yeah. They're always running into each other. Mm -hmm. And Madeline, you know, Nathan, her ex-husband, left her when... Uh, their daughter Abigail was very young Mm -hmm. and so Madeline had to raise Abigail on her own and that's kind of an important part of her character absolutely and I think that's definitely a reason why she sort of adopts Jane yeah yeah because she can sympathize with her and understand where she's coming from and Mm kind of wants to protect her a little bit because she was on her own for a long time raising this uh this daughter on her own yeah so, so, yeah, she kind of is like still holding on to that grudge yeah. that Nathan left her and Abigail and that he should sort of pay for what he's done. Yeah. But he's not really paying because he has a hot wife and a cute daughter and he gets to be like the model dad now. And Abigail, you know, likes spending time with him. And Madeline feels like Abigail should hate him and that yeah. she should be the best parent. Because, <laughs> you know, like she did. She worked hard. She raised Abigail on her own. Yeah. So. But there is there is conflict, though, between Madeline and her teenage daughter because, you know, Madeline's abrasive yeah. and very forward. Controlling. And her daughter's like, Mom, you know. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think Madeline's an interesting character in terms of an adaptation because mm-hmm. she's extremely different from book to movie, right? Or her arc is, I uh, should say. Yeah, there's there's things that are different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should we I, talk about the affair? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. um, her main, one of the main arcs in the show is that she, her marriage with Ed 
although very strong, Mm -hmm. isn't passionate anymore. Yeah. And Ed, who's played by Adam Scott, you might know him from Parks and Rec as Ben Wyatt. Mm -hmm. He's fantastic. Oh, yeah. He's great. Uh, He's got a beard. (laughs) (laughs) His beard's perfect. He's so like kind of dad like dad. Yeah. And um, and, you know, they're always there for each other. They support each other. But you definitely get the sense that things are just kind of so-so like both you know, sex-wise and they've been together for a while and you know maybe they're both kind of bored and trying to figure out like how to revitalize you know and kind of mm-hmm. get the spark back with them and you know I'm sure it's tough like having the kids around too like yeah and there's so many things to distract Madeline you know Nathan and Bonnie and her uh, daughter Abigail are like such a conflict throughout the story too um, yeah. So I think that affects their marriage as well. Yeah. And I really like, I do really like this part of her uh-huh. arc and character in the show, this kind of lack of uh, passion. Mm-hmm. And it creates a lot of good uh, scenes between her and Ed. Yeah. You know, there's a couple fights on the beach in the sunset. Of course. With, with the waves. glasses of wine, <laughs> which is half of the scenery in this show. Is the ocean. Is the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he brings up some good points where she's complaining about Nathan and he's getting everything he wants. And yeah. Ed's like, you, is he the one? Because mm-hmm. you seem more upset that he's, you seem more passionate about him. Yeah. And anger mm-hmm. than you feel towards me about anything. Yeah. And of course she, and and you know, she doesn't yeah feel that way but Mm -hmm. and there are sweet tender scenes with them too where you know that she loves him and like cares for him and wants to work on their marriage but you know it's sort of an ongoing issue and i think that's what makes it compelling yeah is that you know it's not just oh they're out of love or they don't love each other or they're perfectly happy you know like yeah yeah it's interesting it's complicated Mm -hmm. you know the passion's kind of separate from a lot of the other feelings and and the love yeah mm -hmm. Um, but I can't say I love the affair, the affair part. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's not in the book. Um, Madeline does not have an affair in the book. And while I like kind of the development of the marriage, like you were saying, um, that's not really in the book either, but I do like that in the show. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like the whole affair in the show. Yeah. So in the show, uh, and in the book, but it's more prominent in the show. Yeah. Uh, Madeline is a part of the community theater Yeah. and she's trying to get this production of Avenue Q uh, off the ground and mm-hmm. you know they're running into backlash because it's a controversial musical mm-hmm. and it's the uh the director yeah, of the, the musical director uh named joseph, joseph. Mm-hmm. fuckboy joseph yeah and he <laughs> is the one she has the affair with and she had an affair with him a year ago mm-hmm. and then they agreed not to talk about it and now it's coming up again and he's still wants to be with her or she's still attracted to him, but he's married and she's married and it's this whole thing. And you know, the storyline is a little too melodramatic for me. Yeah. And he was so crazy all the time. Like he kept like coming to find her like at the school and at <laughs> yeah. coffee shops. And he was just like, we need to talk Madeline. We need to talk right now. I'm very aggressive. <laughs> like very threatened by him. He yeah. seemed kind of like, aggressive yeah he just show up to where she was at and he's just like that's very unhealthy we have to talk right now i can't he's like if if we don't talk right now i'm gonna blow up (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's like jesus okay fine Mm -hmm. god so So, um, yeah i don't really like that storyline in the book um a lot of her character development comes from this conflict with nathan and then also with her daughter abigail mm -hmm. um because in the book um and in the movie you know she's 
Growing up, she's a teenager. She's trying to figure out her own way, but she really likes Bonnie and Nathan, I think, because of Bonnie. Bonnie is cool. Bonnie's fun. You know, she's kind of young. So um, Abigail likes to hang out with Nathan and Bonnie and yeah. is sort of like adopting Bonnie's lifestyle. You know, she wants to go vegan for a <laughs> while and she like wants to volunteer and do yoga and all that type of thing. And Madeline is just furious. She views it as a betrayal and that Abigail is choosing Bonnie over her. Yeah. And she eventually mad or, uh, Abigail, uh, gets so fed up with living at home that she decides to go live with yeah. Nathan and Bonnie. Mm-hmm. And, She's definitely turning into kind of Bonnie's smaller, ver- a smaller version of Bonnie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of culminates in this class project that yeah. she's doing. And you don't know what she's doing for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then it finally comes out that she, in order to raise money for... Amnesty International. She is going to sell her virginity on the internet. Yeah. To protest young girls being sold into sexual slavery. Mm -hmm. Uh, So an interesting part about this is that in the book, Abigail is 14 years old. So that makes this whole thing illegal. (laughs) Yeah. Because she cannot consent. Well, she's only 16 too in the show. So it's Mm -hmm. still illegal, right? But no, 16, you can consent to, I mean, you can't sell. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I guess it's illegal no matter how old you are. But like there's more like concern with Mm -hmm. her being 14. Yeah. (laughs) It's like another step further. Yeah. Uh, But so she has this whole plan and she creates a website Mm -hmm. and in the, I don't know how, when do you find out in the book? Uh, midway through, I think. Yeah. They're trying to figure out how to get her to shut it down in the book because she makes it live in the or in the book. Yeah. I said that yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the show, um, she never makes it live and kind of, Madeline kind of convinces her not to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a good scene where she kind of, you know, Abigail's like, oh, it must be great to always be right and be perfect when, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Madeline's kind of chastising her for doing this. And Madeline finally confesses to her. She's the first person she tells her that yeah. she had an affair with Ed and mm-hmm. that she's not perfect. She's torn up about it and she knows what it means to fuck up your life. Yeah. So this kind of reaches Abigail and she ends up deciding to To not uh, put the website up. Yeah. And in the book, they do eventually like get the website shut down and Abigail kind of decides not to do it. It's this whole thing. But (laughs) in the book, Abby is kind of a bitch. Uh, She's a lot more kind of mean to Madeline and it seems more obvious that she's choosing Bonnie in a lot of ways. Um, and so Madeline is kind of dealing with that throughout the book and being angry at Bonnie, even though it's not really Bonnie's fault and Bonnie is a nice person. So (laughs) that's kind of what Madeline is dealing with in the, in the book. Do you think that her book arc could have been translated well into a TV show? You know, maybe not. You know, like she has less, um, intense, uh, development mm-hmm. in the the book. Um, so I do like what they did try to do in the show. I just don't. I just think the affair is so out of character. Yeah, you know, the affair took it a little too far, yeah, and it added too many and that, layers. Like ends up taking over the story, and it's. She got in that car accident. I know with uh, Joseph, and it added just more drama. drama so mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about Celeste. Yeah, Celeste. So uh, Celeste, who's played by uh, Nicole Kidman Mm -hmm. perfectly. Excellently. uh, She is the one who 
on the outside has the perfect has life. the perfect life. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. People are always like, "Oh my god, you're too pretty." Yeah, <laughs> she's got like a handsome husband mm-hmm. who makes a shit ton of money. Shit ton of money. Yeah, and she's got uh, twin boys who are a little creepy if i yeah they're like you know very rowdy and rambunctious mm-hmm. and kind of you know twin tornadoes you yeah know? um and they live in this big nice house and you know celeste doesn't work because her husband perry makes so much money that she can stay home with the twins um but obviously her life is not so perfect yes and i mean this is one of the biggest themes of the show yeah is kind of this oh uh, you know, upper middle class or upper, you know, families yeah. who seem to have the perfect life, but shit's really messed up on the mm-hmm. inside. And uh, it's not the most original kind no. of plot thread, but I think this show does a really good it job does with it. it. Well, yeah. And Celeste's uh, story maybe highlights that the most thread the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we quickly discover. I think within the first episode. There's something off mm-hmm. about Celeste and Perry's marriage. Yeah, Perry uh, becomes, when he finds out about this bully in mm-hmm. class, uh, or supposed bully, when Ziggy's accused of choking the girl, he's like, ah, I don't think the boys should play with him. Yeah. And Celeste is kind of more kind nonchalant. Of brushes him yeah. off, you know, she's she, like, we don't know if he did it. It's probably fine. Mm-hmm. And he immediately turns, mm-hmm. and he's like, they will not play with him. And he grabs her aggressively by the arm. Yeah. And she pulls herself away and mm-hmm. is kind of like, what the hell's wrong with you? And leaves. Um, but that's kind of our first inkling mm-hmm. at what's wrong. And yeah. then we later see another incident where he, I think he hits her across the face. Yeah. Uh, but then we also see the other side mm-hmm. of this behavior where they immediately have sex after. Yeah. And it's like tied into this like rage at each other, mm-hmm. you know, and then they kind of like relieve that tension by having sex. And it's definitely played up more in the show, which I get because, you know, it's <laughs> HBO. They yeah. want to show sex, you know, yeah. it's, it's like a requirement. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So but and they do a good job of, you know, the first incident or two where they have sex afterwards. Yeah. Uh, it is, they film it in kind of a, you know, it's very sexy and kind of appealing in a way. Yeah, you're like, wow, that's really intense. Yeah, where you can almost kind of understand why they like this part of it, even mm-hmm. though it's still messed up. Yeah. Um, but as the show goes on, that part of it quickly fades away, mm-hmm. where there either isn't sex afterwards, or if there is, it's way more. It's very violent. It's very violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is kind of just her arc as the show progresses yeah her coming to terms with this and uh, it's sort of how they justify or Mm -hmm. how celeste justifies it to herself that we just have an intense relationship you know like we get into fights and then we have really good sex afterward and that's just how we are and every marriage is different you know um and that's her way of denying that abuse is going on and that she's in an abusive relationship and they end up going to therapy together. Yeah, in a the couple's show. therapist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, so the first time they go, it's the two of them. And it's a great scene. It is. And this is re- this was like the first time when I watched Nicole Kidman where I'm like, she's phenomenal in this role. Yeah. Because her kind of denial in talking about this. And uh-huh. they're very, uh, they won't admit to the physical abuse mm-hmm. at first. They uh, slowly, you know, admit to the therapist that... They get really angry at each other and there's a lot of rage and mm-hmm. that type of thing. And he'll grab her sometimes and yeah. things like that. Uh, but even the scenes where her husband 
is talking and Mm -hmm. he is kind of coming clean about some stuff. You know, he, I think does want to change. Yeah. And he is in this scene attempting to kind of like, uh, come to terms with some things, but you watch Nicole Kidman during Uh his entire kind of confessional and her performance is just in the subtleties of her expressions Mm -hmm. and body language and all of mm -hmm. that. Yeah. It's interesting because we get to see kind of Perry's psych a little bit. Like he, admits that he's afraid of losing her, you know, and that he loves her almost too much and like values her and is insecure that she'll leave him or that he won't be good enough for her. And he almost takes out that anger on her, which is twisted. So, yeah. And they kind of talk about, you know, and Celeste is still in denial at this point. She says that, well, she hits him too sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but then later admits, well, that tell me in retaliation when he when attacks he her. When he attacks me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, the, uh, something that's really interesting, though, is that the next time they have uh, a session, a therapy session, mm-hmm. Perry's, he travels a lot. He yeah. travels for work, and so he's gone. So Celeste shows up on her own. Yeah. And it's this great scene where the therapist kind of starts to realize the extent of and the abuse. And kind of digs in and is asking probing her more yeah. like what's going on Celeste you know, like, what are you hiding yeah why are why are you here yeah and Celeste and once again Nicole Kidman her performance of you know she's in denial and you can tell there's stuff under the surface but she does want help and yeah. she knows deep down that there's something wrong and yeah and she's kind of reaching out for it and the mm-hmm. therapist who once I forgot to look up the ther- the actor's name who plays the oh, therapist. Oh, yeah. She's phenomenal. She's really good. I want to go to her for therapy. I know, and she's not like, I feel like in a lot of movies and stuff, the therapist is always like really crossing the line in mm-hmm. what therapists are allowed to do, but she's very professional. Yeah. And, you know, but still being personable and concerned about Celeste's yeah. safety, you know, and she tells her like, I'm concerned about your safety. Like, you don't know what could happen. And, um, but it's also kind of getting Celeste to admit this to herself because that's more important than the therapist telling Celeste, you know, you're in a, an abusive relationship. Yeah. It's Celeste realizing it and the therapist getting her to understand. And something that she asks Celeste in the book when Celeste is kind of denying and saying, well, I hit him too, like we're both violent. The therapist says, do you think your husband is afraid of you? Hmm. And Celeste says, We'll, I, we'll know. And she's like, you're obviously afraid of him in these situations. Like, who has the power, you know? Yeah. And there's another question later on that comes up is, in any of these episodes, have you been afraid that you might die? Yeah, and that's in the show too, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think in the show, she kind of... Has she, a flashback to that and yeah, tells her. And she doesn't mm-hmm. answer and the therapist kind of has this confirmation that this is really serious. Yeah. And so the ther- there's like four probably scenes throughout the show with, with the these therapist. therapy mm-hmm. sessions and they're all just really riveting. Good. They're all so good to watch. Mm-hmm. And the therapist eventually tells her, you need to get an apartment. Yeah. You need to start documenting the abuse. Have a place to go. Have a place to go. If something gets bad, you know, instead of being like, I have nowhere to turn, you Mm -hmm. know, have a plan, develop a strategy. Like if he hits you again, take the children, go somewhere safe, you know, be ready to leave at any moment. And there's multiple incidents as this, the show progresses where Mm -hmm. she kind of becomes more and more uh, willing to go along with this and she gets the apartment. Yeah. Uh, There's one incident in particular Mm -hmm. that is (laughs) one of the few that she gets like justice yeah where 
they're about to go to the uh, premiere of the play uh-huh. that Madeline's doing, Avenue Q, mm-hmm. and they're getting ready, and Perry is aggressively uh, sexual towards her. Wants to have sex, and she's mm-hmm. like, we're going to be late, Perry, you know, it's this whole thing, and he's kind of grabbing her. Yeah, and he pulls his dick out, and she's like, okay, we're not going to do this, like, let's go. Mm-hmm. And she goes to leave, and he grabs her, mm-hmm. and <laughs> she grabs Whatever's closest. Whatever's closest, which happens to be a tennis racket, and just smacks him right in the dick. Right in the dick. (laughs) It's so great. Topples to the floor, and it's so great. It's wonderful. He ends up uh, breaking his urethra. He shatters his urethra. (laughs) Oh my god! And it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, there's a great scene later where, uh, and and Celeste's outer appearance of having the perfect life yeah really affects madeline's story mm-hmm. and her um relationship with ed yeah and there's a great scene where madeline's angry at first that celeste because they don't go to the premiere because yeah. they have to take care of perry's urethra uh-huh. <laughs> and madeline gets a call from her and finds out what's happened mm-hmm. and her and ed are standing in the kitchen talking and they're like oh my god what do you have to do to break your urethra yeah like, they say they think he broke his urethra having like crazy, crazy sex. wild sex <laughs> uh not a tennis racket <laughs> yeah and it's interesting because like celeste presents this outward appearance that everything's fine and even her best friend madeline you know doesn't know the abuse and thinks that they just have like really good sex mm-hmm. and all that type of thing and so she's trying to hide it from everyone including herself for a long time. Um, and another interesting aspect of Perry's character is that he's a great dad. Yeah, um, he's yeah. wonderful with the twins and Celeste, you know, acknowledges that and is sort of, that's another reason that she wants to stay. You know, it's like Perry is so good with them and loves them and she knows that he loves her too, mm-hmm. but you know, it's more complicated. Uh, sorry, there's a plane going overhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever. So, and I think that's true you know, with people like you can be shitty and abusive, but also be like a good friend or a good dad. But eventually this behavior is going to affect everything. Not just the kids are going to find out. The kids are going to find out, you know, they're going to be affected by Mm -hmm. it. And the therapist brings that up too. She's Mm -hmm. like, your kids probably know. Yeah. And you know, Celeste is adamant. They don't know, you know, he's never hurt them and they don't see him hurting me. And she's like, well, if they don't know now, which they probably do, they're going to. Yeah. They're young now, but they won't be in the dark for long. Yeah. And Celeste also kind of struggles uh, a bit with wanting to go back to work. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a lawyer before she uh, stayed home with the twins. Mm-hmm. And Perry really does not want her to. And they have a conflict about this in the show. He kind of tries to keep her under his thumb by staying at home with the twins and everything. Yeah. There's a great scene, though, where... Uh, Celeste goes to a meeting with that Madeline is having with the mayor mm-hmm. over the play. Yeah. You know, the there's controversy. And yeah. Stuff. And, uh, she kind of goes for legal, uh, counsel. advice and counsel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she just kicks ass in the meeting. She kills it. You know, she's kind of being very, uh, cooperative at first, kind mm-hmm. of like giving, you know, her thoughts and hearing other people's. And then finally she's like, well, that's all well and good, but legally you have no grounds to... Uh, yeah, and just shuts them yeah, down. Yeah, and it's just great. destroys them. And, and then afterward, they're in the car together, and Madeline's like, oh my God, you were amazing. Like, that's you're so good, and all of that stuff. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Celeste admits to Madeline, being a mom isn't enough for her. Yeah, and she loved her old job, and she mm-hmm. wants to do it again, and she gets a rush from it. Yeah. And I think that's a great... I'm, I'm glad they kind of tapped into that mm-hmm. in this show in terms of... 
you know, that, that guilt yeah. over wanting to be a good mom and always feeling like you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of sacrifices with becoming a mom. Yeah. And it's not always made up to you in being a mother. Yeah. You know, there's some things that you lose or you you're forced to give up that maybe you shouldn't. And it's just, I mean, it's common sense and it's obvious, but it's so great to see it explored is that, you know, a woman isn't just a mother. Like mm-hmm. there's, she's a person and she has you know, interests and things that she's passionate about. And that doesn't, her life doesn't have to be her children, which is great, you know, and they love their kids, but there's more to them than that. And I really loved that scene where they explored that. Yeah. And other characters kind of deal with this too. Or struggling with that Uh, mom guilt. Renata, who we'll talk a little bit about a little bit later. Mm -hmm. She is a CEO or she's, yeah, she's, she's a, just a high powered executive woman. Yeah. And so she has that guilt and she gets a lot of shit from other moms for mm-hmm. not being there for her daughter, even though, you know, she probably is. Yeah. And, and I'm sure her husband isn't getting shit on for that. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, I like that this show does uh, kind of deal with that subject matter. Mm-hmm. So um, wrapping up Celeste's story, she kind of decides at the end, towards the end that she's going to leave. She's going to leave Perry. There's a a violent incident, uh, like, or I should say the most violent. Yeah. Where he throws her around, he chokes her, and he just punches her in the ribs. Yeah, it's really horrible to watch. It's a really terrible um, scene to watch, and Nicole Kidman really, you know, acts the hell out of it, Mm -hmm. and... You definitely, you know, you realize this is this is a breaking point where yeah. she can't justify do it, anymore. it anymore. She yeah. has to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's leading up to trivia night. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Jane. Yeah, Jane, who is played by uh, Shaylee Woodley, mm-hmm. and I I really liked her in this role. Yeah, and she I did think well. This will break her out of the. You know, she's been in the Divergent the movies, star. the teen yeah. stuff. Uh, I don't. How old do you think Jane is supposed to be in the show? Because she is supposed to be 24. Okay. Yeah. So she had Ziggy, okay. you know, when she was really young. Yeah. And um, so she's a single mom coming and she's much younger than the other moms. Mm-hmm. And that's another factor that she's kind of struggling with. Um, and Jane's arc is more obviously concerned with this whole bullying thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it doesn't go away. Like the parents are still kind of against her and against her son and, you know, are telling their kids not to play with him. And uh, the bullying actually continues, too. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, she has a, her relationship with her son, Ziggy, is very interesting. Because yeah. uh, as we find out later, um, her Ziggy was conceived in an incident of rape. Yes. Where she uh, met a guy at a bar. They mm-hmm. went back to a hotel room. And he immediately turned, became mm-hmm. very violent and and raped her yeah. and she became pregnant uh, as a result of that and had Ziggy. Yeah. And so during this whole arc of um Ziggy being accused of this bullying and she doesn't know if he's doing it, she yeah. believes him, but, but part of her doubts it and yeah. worries that you know like his dad was violent and what if he's inherited this violent behavior, you know? Yeah. And there's an interesting in this show that I didn't think about till later, kind of a nature versus nurture kind of element at play. And this is kind of part of it. You know, Jane is worried. Is he inherently violent because his father is it genetics? You Mm -hmm. know, I've raised him to be a a sweet boy and he is a sweet boy. He's the sweetest little kid. (laughs) He's so cute in the show. But you know, and I think 
to a large, to an extent, like parents worry about that in general, you know, like you raise the kid the best that you can and you hope that they don't inherit like shit from you, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and just about how children are affected by their parents and by violence and all of that, which it's sad because, you know, Amabella is continue is continued to be bullied Mm -hmm. and it's a whole thing. And, um, so the only proof that they have that it was Ziggy was that first time that Amabella said it was him. And since then, she won't talk about it. She won't say who did it. Ziggy continues to deny it. The teacher doesn't see anything. She's never seen Ziggy and Amabella, you know, fight or anything like that. So it's sort of like they don't know what to do. Yeah. And this is kind of one of the things you have to suspend your disbelief for a little bit. Yeah. This like bullying could be going on in like a first grade class and no one knows about it but it's Mm -hmm. also it's still a very interesting uh plot device for the show that kind of perpetuates everything that who's the bully is it ziggy you know who do you believe what's really going on Mm -hmm. and this is where renata comes in because she of course is jane's you know almost enemy in this situation because she just hates her is convinced that it's ziggy and you know and they really give her some characterization absolutely and you find out more about her life and how she's just doing, you know, the best she can. Her little girl who she loves is being hurt and she doesn't know how to stop it. And she is so frustrated and is trying to get it to stop. And so, of course, she's lashing out at Jane and at Ziggy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like Renata's character kind of for the same reason. Mm-hmm. I like uh, uh, Madeline. Yeah. Where she... and. Her and Madeline should be best friends because they're they so similar. Be. Yeah. But they're kind of, they're also kind of antagonists. because mm-hmm. uh, Renata is a part of this group that's trying to get the play shut down. Yeah. Uh, but Renata, they do such a good job of humanizing her. Yeah. Uh, you know, where you do totally understand where she's coming from about mm-hmm. her daughter being bullied, she can't do anything about it. Yeah. And but it's still mixed in with all these moments where she's a total bitch she's horrible poor Ziggy (laughs) and poor Jane you know Mm -hmm. but I like that they balance those good and bad elements so kind of effortlessly you know what I mean it's those the good and bad just live very um symbiotically you know what I mean yeah and uh so that's all going on with uh Jane and Ziggy and the whole Mm -hmm. bullying thing and eventually some parent starts a petition to have Ziggy suspended, which, you know, he's like five or six, you know, it's totally ridiculous, but it ends up, you know, almost being the end of this culmination of, you know, kids are being abused and Jane doesn't know what to do. And she ends up actually taking Ziggy to a child psychologist Mm -hmm. uh, just because she wants to make sure that, you know, there's nothing going on and that Ziggy is telling the truth. Yeah. And it's good too, because uh, it's actually the teacher who suggests the child psychologist because the teacher eventually comes to Jane and is like, I don't think it's your son. Yeah. I don't know how to stop what's going on or Mm -hmm. figure out who it is. Yeah. But she's like, and so it's not just like everyone's against her. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of just the situation in the school's almost as helpless as Jane is to an extent. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, Madeline and Celeste are on Jane's side too. So she has allies in that, but it, it does feel like, especially when they start circulating the petition among parents, you know, Jane, it almost is like tearing her hair out because, you know, her little boy feels that and he knows that kids aren't allowed to play with him. And he's just like, 
why can't they play with me, mom? It's so sad. <laughs> uh, yeah, Shaylee Woodley, though, does a really good job of mm-hmm. playing. You know, you, you feel like she's kind of always like a little unhinged. Yeah. Kind of almost at the edge of losing it at points. Uh, and a lot know. of that goes back to the trauma of her rape, which yeah. she hasn't dealt with. And in the book, they talk about how it happened and she almost wanted it to like to pretend like it didn't happen to her because she wanted to be over it. Like she wanted to be over it and not have to think about it and work through the trauma of it. And so because she doesn't let herself um, feel that and move on, she almost like represses it and it becomes this huge thing that sort of takes over her life. Well, and you said in the book, uh, Mm -hmm. it's more, there's more like kind of a psychological. Yeah. um, So, um, there's the physical violence and she does say that she was afraid that if she resisted, she would be killed. mm -hmm. Um, but also when this, you know, man is raping Jane, he kind of is like saying all this shit to her, like you're fat and ugly and your breath smells and you're just like a fat whore and like all this stuff that is just horrifying. And Jane, like internalizes that in her mind and kind of doesn't almost develops an eating disorder. Like she just can't, every time she looks at food, she feels repulsed like by herself and, um, you know, doesn't really wear a lot of makeup and is always kind of dressing plainly because she feels like she's ugly and she should just accept it. And it's really sad because, you know, you know that she's a good person and she loves her son and she has a lot going for her, but she hasn't allowed herself to move on from this. Yeah. And there's a great moment too, where she talks to Madeline about it. Yeah. In the show, she finally, you know, there's an incident in front of Madeline where Ziggy wants to know who his dad is Mm -hmm. and he kind of throws a tantrum. And so Jane and Madeline finally on her porch kind of have this discussion and Matt and Jane tells her like this whole incident of what happened Mm -hmm. and kind of finally comes clean to someone and she she's never told anyone she's never told anyone this before Mm -hmm. and it's a really good moment for madeline too you know she's driving back from this talk and she has to pull over because she just starts crying crying yeah because it's so upsetting to her Mm -hmm. and and she kind of looks almost like jane is a younger sister to her yeah yeah and that's one of the great things about this show is kind of this friendship Mm -hmm. that forms between Jane and Madeline and Celeste yeah, and them just kind of forming this bond with each other Mm -hmm. and helping each other get through stuff. And it's a really good kind of arc for all of them. And, you know, Jane does start to deal with things more like talking about it to Madeline. You know, she's Mm -hmm. like, I've never even said it out loud. You know, it's almost like I'm letting that go a little bit. Yeah. But she, you know, throughout the show, they do a really great job of showing that she is still like fucked up from it. You know, she has a lot of fantasies about shooting her, uh, rapist. Yeah. Yeah. There's the show does a really good job. And and this is what I like to see from an adaptation. Yeah. It takes advantage of the visual medium Uh of a, you know, television show. And there's a lot, there's a sequence where, uh, anytime she's a flashback, to her, uh, to the night she was raped, uh, it always is kind of followed by this kind of metaphorical yeah. scene of her running down the beach and she's following these footsteps of mm-hmm. uh, her of assaulter mm-hmm. and she's following them and finally the footsteps just disappear Yeah, and she's kind of at a loss and doesn't like know no, where to, to go. Mm-hmm. And at one point she like turns into the water and like kind of wades into the water to like cleanse herself almost. Yeah. Uh, but it, this uh, visual thing is returned to multiple times and it's really great and it kind of 
you know, just a great visual metaphorical thing to yeah. kind of sum, sum up how she feels and, mm-hmm. and what's going on with her. And, and that's what a good adaptation should do. Yeah. You know, it should kind of take some liberties and instead of trying to just have characters explain everything verbally. Yeah. Exposition, exposition, exposition. Exposition. Yeah. 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 It, it kind of. It can show you. Yeah. And, and it, they do that in a lot of these like flashbacks that Jane has in just her normal life. She'll just have a flashback to that night, you know? Yeah. And when she's telling Madeline about it, you see it more, but you know, it keeps sort of flashing back and she keeps having, like I said, these fantasies. So, well, and that's another great thing uh, that the show does to kind of, and, and they do it with Celeste a lot too, with her yeah. abuse where mm-hmm. you'll see the event leading up to the abuse and then the scene ends. Yeah. And then later in their day-to-day lives, it'll flash, flash back, back to, to the that. actual violence. And so you know that the characters are still dealing with it. You know what I yeah. mean? It's not like, oh no, it's done now. It's like the mm-hmm. reverberations continue. Yeah. And it, it's a great way to visualize that. Of, yeah how it affects you not only in the moment, you know, cause you only, you only, you only need to see it once, yeah. you know, to understand what it must've been like, but then seeing it in the context of another scene later, mm-hmm. you know, you get that association that, wow, they're still really haunted and dealing with this. Yeah. So I think that wraps Jane's story up, um, pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the final episode or the third act of the book <laughs> slash all three uh, reveals. reveals. Oh yeah. There's so there's basically three reveals we get in mm-hmm. the final episode of the show slash at the end of the book we find out who the bully is. Yes. We find out uh, who uh, raped Jane. Yes. Six years ago, and we find out who killed who. Yeah. So um, l- let's just talk a little bit about uh, how trivia night goes. What's going on with that a little bit? Yeah, it's like a fundraiser for the school, and all the parents are going to be there. The kids aren't there, and it's. An Audrey Hepburn and Elvis Presley night. Yeah. So the women and men all dress up and they're all in costumes. And it's super glamorous. They yeah. have like fake flash photography when people mm-hmm. arrive. And, and then people are singing like Ed and Nathan <laughs> end up like doing a song bit on stage. And it's sort of weird. It's I kind of I mean, I get it. Like I didn't mind it. And it mm-hmm. kind of fueled, you know, Ed and Nathan have this like rivalry. And yeah. it, it kind of fuels into that a bit more. Let's oh. talk about uh, the bully reveal. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So, um Jane eventually discovers that Ziggy still knows. Ziggy actually does know who the bully is and he's mm-hmm. been protecting Amabella. Amabella by not, she told him. She told him and mm-hmm. she said not to say anything and so it's revealed that it is Celeste's one twin son, Max, Max who's mm-hmm. been the bully. And I loved this reveal. Yeah. Uh, it makes so much sense yeah. and it fits all of like it fits it fits Jane and Celeste's story together really well it does yeah and it's one of those reveals where as soon as you either figure it out or hear it yeah. you're like that makes so much sense and mm-hmm. you know I figured it out like episode four I think yeah and it's only because the therapist was like do your sons ever see this violence? Mm-hmm. And as soon as she asked that, I was like, oh, like yeah. <laughs> it just clicked for me mm-hmm. and it didn't ruin it. Like it was no. still such a good uh, connection and yeah. it made so much sense that it was, it really fit for me and it was a solid reveal uh, reveal. Yeah. yeah. And you know, so Jane ends up telling Celeste about it. And in the book, um, her other son, Josh actually tells Celeste, um, that his twin is bullying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of this shock to Celeste. Yeah. Uh, there's a part where, you know, when Jane's telling her about it, she's like, you know, I did consider that Ziggy was lying. Yeah. 
Uh, but I had to, you know, and wonder if it was in his DNA. Yeah. And when she says that, Celeste kind of has this like moment moment yeah and and she realizes that yeah the violence is affecting her children and the reason that she was staying and convincing her to self to stay was for the boys because you know perry's a good dad she didn't want to break up their home and then she realizes this is affecting them you know this is causing my son to reenact this behavior in school and it has to be stopped yeah and so this is kind of the defining moment where she's like i have to leave perry yeah uh, so she gets ready to leave for trivia night mm-hmm. and oh my God, there's this chilling moment yeah. where her and she tells the therapist mm-hmm. that she's going to get the kids out of there. Her husband's going on a trip the next day yeah, and she just has to get through trivia night. <laughs> <laughs> the therapist is like, what? What is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> Getting kids out of there. Don't go to trivia night. And it does kind of fuel into the idea that Celeste cares so much about what other people think. She doesn't yeah, want she to. She still has to go to this school function yeah. and make an appearance. And she ends up um, talking to Max about it. Oh, and, yeah. you know, just telling him, asking him if he is the bully. And, you know, he kind of admits it to her. Mm-hmm. And she kind of says, like, it's all right, you know, like. We all, we all do bad things, you know, sometimes we'll, you know, figure it out and stuff. Mm-hmm. So when they're getting ready to go to trivia night, mm-hmm. uh, Perry comes down the steps and hands her her phone. And she, he was like, oh yeah, uh, your landlord called and asked if he can install the fire, de- fire alarms or the, uh, smoke detectors. Mm-hmm. And Celeste just has this shock. Horror. Horror. And mm-hmm. this is in front of the kids and the babysitter. So he's playing it cool. So Perry's just like, yeah, whatever, mm-hmm. let's go. And, you know, Celeste just gets up cautiously and, and like slowly follows him to the car and you're like oh my god is he gonna kill her like yeah, what's gonna they're happen in the car together and i'm like this is not safe <laughs> <laughs> and uh he drives past the school and she's like where are you taking me and they pull over not far past and they have this discussion yeah and he is like you can't leave me like please like yeah. we can get through this i can think, change think about the kids and then she tells him about the bullying mm-hmm. you know she says i am thinking about them max is has been bullying these kids um and that needs to stop and she has this great line where perry's like we'll talk to him and yeah. she celeste is like and say what that's not how men treat women yeah and it's like, like, oh. <laughs> yeah it's so good mm-hmm. and tension's building in the car and celeste manages to kind of like hurry out well Renata like jumps up at the car and like distracts them because you can tell like I don't know if Perry's gonna let her out of the car yeah like it's up to that point and then of course there's people around so they have to maintain their image Mm -hmm. so they you know they get out and go into trivia night but the whole time they're at the trivia night Perry is kind of trying to like catch up to Celeste and Celeste is like nope 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 nope, nope, nope." like running away (laughs) (laughs) and Perry's just like where is she where is she drinking and like stalking around and he looks super creepy in his Elvis costume yeah and I really like the um the way the show's filmed in the cinematography and it does this in different scenes but it always takes other people's perspectives of what's going on Mm -hmm. you know so everyone a lot of people are kind of noticing that Something's off. Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, Perry seems angry and stalking about. And, uh, you know, it does a good job of maintaining a attention. logical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Atten- and like a logical continuity with like who's watching who and what's going on and mm-hmm. people's perspectives. And, you know, this is kind of a climax in the final scene at Trivia Night because you still don't know who what's going to happen. Someone's going to die. Yeah. And so, 
you know, Celeste ends up telling Renata that her son is the bully. And then Renata ends up apologizing to Jane, which is great. You know, it's so good yeah. to see that, you know, and to say her, see her say, I'm so sorry. And, um, all that stuff. And then they kind of all end up. Well, yeah. So, um, Madeline, her husband, Ed goes up to sing his song mm-hmm. and she is kind of racked with guilt yeah. about everything that's happened with the, you know, with the she, she still doesn't come clean to Ed mm-hmm. and she ends up running away kind of crying. And Jane follows and her. And Jane follows her, and then uh, Renata follows her to apologize to Jane. And so yeah. basically kind of everyone... Everyone ends up out there. Everyone ends up out in this kind of like um, at the top of these steps that are like... Roped off. Roped off because they're being repaired or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the way the show uh, showed this area multiple times throughout because mm-hmm. it, it's very uh visually recognizable like yeah, these the stairs caution with caution tape, tape on mm-hmm. them so when as soon as they get there you're like okay i know i know where, where they're they at what's going on mm-hmm. um so essentially uh jane uh madeline celeste and renata are all together yeah and perry shows up because mm-hmm. he followed celeste and he's intense he's like can i talk to you like all this stuff <laughs> he's he's pulling a joseph he's yeah. like we need to talk <laughs> we need to talk <laughs> all the men in this show are just like we need to talk <laughs> <laughs> and celeste is finally putting her foot down she's like no i'm not going anywhere with you yeah and there's this moment mm-hmm. where jane grabs madeline's arm and yeah. the look on her face is just of absolute horror and madeline looks looks at her and you see that she realizes that Perry is the one that raped Jane. Yeah, it it flashes back for Jane, and this is you know the second reveal mm-hmm. that Perry is the man who raped Jane. Yeah. six years ago, mm-hmm. and you know so it flashes back for Jane. Yeah, and she, and then it's this great just visual moment, like yeah. visual storytelling in this show where Madeline looks at Jane. And realizes the mm-hmm. horror. And then she looks at Celeste. And, and gets Celeste Celeste's attention. sees what's going on. And it, it's so, it's silent. Mm-hmm. But they all, you know, end up realizing this is, this is what happened. And Perry, I think, realizes too. That's something. He yeah. sees Jane and he realizes everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And that's when he attacks. Grabs Celeste, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the sequence in the show, it actually, it does the same thing where... It ends there for a bit. Yeah. And you just see the um, aftermath. Aftermath, but mm-hmm. we'll go continuity wise. Yeah. Uh, so he attacks Celeste and. The women try to stop him. Yeah. And so it's kind of this. It's horrifying. Yeah. But also kind of great because it's these four women like finally like. Uniting. Uniting mm-hmm. and like trying to fight off Perry. Yeah. And. And then uh, Bonnie who has been kind of like watching, she yeah. kind of runs down because she sees that he's like kicking Celeste. Yeah, and he's just, whole he, thing. he's just kind of like lost it. He's beating up Celeste mm-hmm. and hitting any woman who like any of them who is tries close. to like. Yeah. So Bonnie like runs up and pushes him. Yeah. And he falls down the steps <laughs> she, and gets fucking impaled. <laughs> <laughs> he gets some kind of rebar right like through the right, neck. Yeah. It's freaky. And I love, uh, uh, Bonnie, when she runs, she gives this little shriek. She's like, she's like ah! Ah! <laughs> she just like shoves Perry. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And so he ends up getting killed. Uh, killed. Yeah. So he... he's the one that's dead and Bonnie pushed him. Mm-hmm. And so I guess let's, um, what did you think of the Jane reveal that Perry was the one who had assaulted her? So um, I've heard criticism and some people saying like, this story doesn't really take any risks, you know, like mm-hmm. 
Perry is the one who's being violent to Celeste, and he was also the one who raped Jane, and then he gets killed at the end. Like, it's very tidy, you know? Yeah. But, like, I still like it because, you know, it's sort of about how even one person who is violent, like, how many people he ends up affecting, mm. and, how, and, like, the consequences of this, you know? So it's not just Celeste that's you know, being abused by him. He's going out on his trips and who knows what he's doing to other women. You know, Jane is just one of them. And that it also affects his son and his son ends up like bullying. And so it's kind of this, uh, ripples of violence. Yeah. I was a little mixed on it at first. At first I did not like it a whole lot because on one hand, you know, we know Perry's violent. So that part of the story like checks out. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. But there's also this idea that, you know, Perry was so afraid of losing Celeste. And yeah. as she put it, he worshipped her mm-hmm. and everything. So the idea that Perry was just like out running around on her, yeah. like for as bad as Perry is. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, is that too much? Yeah, yeah. Accounting for everything we know about him, we've never had any indication that he's been unfaithful to her. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't fully like the twist in that way because it just felt like, it's easy to throw this other thing on Perry. Yeah, now that he's already a bad character. Yeah, he's already almost unredeemable. Let's make him a rapist. Yeah, he's, you know? he, he's, he, he also cheats on Celeste and like rapes other women too. Yeah, but like a point that I was thinking about is that, so this, you know, rape happened either before or around the time that Celeste became pregnant with her twins because their sons are the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's possible that, and at that point, Celeste talks about how the abuse didn't really start until the kids were like maybe a year old. Yeah. So, you know, one thing to think about is maybe Perry was abusive, but he was like not wanting to abuse Celeste. And so was kind of like taking it out on Jane um, as like a vent to this rage and anger that yeah. he had because he didn't want to hurt Celeste, but then he couldn't stop himself from doing involving her. And the other thing you, you had mentioned to me was that, you know, it's also this reveal for Celeste that despite yeah. all the violence and things they went through, yeah. you know, Celeste and Perry were still like for each other. Yeah, like, even in the violent ways, even in the messed up ways, mm-hmm. they were still like a team and together yeah. and loved each other. And so it is kind of a reveal for her that, Oh my God, he's not even faithful in that way. Yeah, I've you know? been deceiving myself. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think ultimately one of the issues is that this show doesn't, once kind of the reveal of who killed who and yeah. all these reveals happen and mm-hmm. who is dead, the show kind of just puts a bow on everything. Yeah. And you don't really find out what it means for any of the characters. Mm-hmm which I'm not saying like I want like fully clean like everyone has to say how they're feeling and everything like that but you kind of for a lot of the story arcs you don't you want to have that moment of closure or something for Jane for example yeah you know I'm like what does she feel that she found out who raped her what did this mean to her like or I mean I guess we're supposed to assume that she's just happy that he's dead yeah but you know and when she first realizes it's Perry they flash to a moment where she pulls out her gun and shoots him. Mm-hmm. And then you realize it's just like a fantasy. Yeah. And you kind of wonder like, is that supposed to be her resolution that she didn't shoot him when she found out? Yeah. I don't know. It, it, you know, it's a little too open-ended mm-hmm. for my taste. Like I w- could have used a little more, uh, 
resolution between the characters and what everything meant for them. Yeah, something I want to talk about is Bonnie. So you yeah. don't really know why Bonnie was so angry or like was like, ah, when she pushed him, <laughs> besides the fact that he was just like beating up Celeste and these other women. So that does make sense yeah. that she would kind of push him and stuff. But And, and you do get the sense that that meant something else for Bonnie compared to everyone else. Yeah. Like it wasn't just maybe self-defense. I, it's tough to say. Well, you find out in the book that um, Bonnie grew up in a, an abusive household and her father was verbally and physically abusive to her mother. And she talks about how she has PTSD from it and she's mm-hmm. still kind of dealing with that. And um, so when she pushes Perry, um, she's kind of saying like, she's talking when she sa- when she says it and she's like, you know, your son is the one who's been bullying and he sees that from you. And you think that we don't see, but we see. And so she says, we see. And then she like pushes. Him. <laughs> it's so great. It's much more murdery. <laughs> yeah, it's very murdery. But she, you know, it's, she didn't mean to push him down the steps or over the railing in the, in the book, you know? So it is kind of like, she didn't mean it to happen that way, but she has more of a reason to be more, forceful in her like pushing yeah and i like that reasoning yeah uh but you never find that out in the show no there's never any it's not explanation of you know why bonnie was the one who pushed him yeah um and not that anyone really needed a reason to be honest because he was just he was beating them up beating the shit out of people and Mm -hmm. it's like hey you get pushed and if you happen to be impaled on rebar that's your fault (laughs) like asshole (laughs) well and they decide to cover it up too they don't want bonnie to get in trouble so they're not gonna say what happened yeah which is kind of weird to me but any um i really wish they had set up Bonnie's past at least a little bit yeah in terms of finding out her abusive past Mm -hmm. because then when that moment happens it would be kind of an important step for her I would have had the same feeling that I had with the bullying reveal where I'm immediately like oh that makes sense Mm -hmm. like I get why sense for her character yeah I get why Bonnie would suddenly like lash out lash out and like push him and Mm -hmm. it just I feel like it would have been a much more complete um Story for story her. for her if we had understood that to begin with mm-hmm. and had seen why that leads to her pushing him. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting because in the book there is a little bit more closure because they do like a one year after type mm-hmm. thing, and you you find out that Celeste, you know, it still kind of misses Perry in her own way and like thinks of him, but she's also angry and you know she has a lot to deal with in her. She has to raise her sons, you know, on her own now. And you find out she has gone back to work and she's living with the twins in this apartment. And um, that in the end, she goes to speak in front of some mental health professionals about domestic violence. So she kind of gets up and shares her story. And it ends that way. And the last lines of the book are, this can happen to anyone, Mm. which I think is really powerful. And I love that for her character, that she, who hid everything everything about the abuse for so long finally got up to tell you know people in a public setting people she doesn't even know um that she could kind of grow in that way yeah and the book it sounds like treats the completion of the story as more for her as the character yeah how she comes to terms with everything whereas mm-hmm. the show kind of deals with it more like you find out who died and how it happened and now he's dead and that's the show yeah you know mm-hmm. i'm not saying that it doesn't treat its characters as characters, but in that ending, it kind of neglects to well, do a lot of that. Well, and there are rumors that they might make a season two. Which I am not for. Yeah. 
you know, and I, I do wonder if they kind of didn't tie things up just in case just to kind of mm-hmm. which leave I, it open-ended yeah i mean just i'm like come on there's you, not that much to tie up no you know? there really isn't and what else are they going to discuss really it's not going to be as dynamic without this like murder thing going on it's just going to be them like oh that was crazy right yep mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and and they you know heavily allude to this detective watching them because yeah. she knows they lied about it which mm-hmm. once again i don't get why they had to lie about well, it in the book they initially lie about it but then bonnie comes clean and mm-hmm. she admits that she was the one that pushes him and she gets like community service because the judge is like obviously this was an accident which is weird because in the book she like just kind of push it like it seems like he's going to be violent right in the book Mm -hmm. but he hasn't hit anyone or done anything yet. yeah well in the book so what happens is they're all on these like high stools Mm -hmm. on this kind of deck balcony and it's raining and um he kind of like oh celeste throws her drink in perry's face and Mm -hmm. then he slaps her okay and then bonnie like and everyone is kind of like stop like get away from her Perry. And then Bonnie kind of like gives him a little shove. Okay. And he's sitting on the stool and maybe he was leaning back or something and he kind of falls over. So it's more like it's understandable how that would happen. Yeah. I just feel like it's funny because in the show it's like, way more like understandable yeah so why yeah lie why about would you it? Even no lie? one's gonna yeah you were just defending dramatic effect i don't yeah. know yeah <laughs> well and plus it has to have that setup of why are people being interviewed yeah yeah you know because they don't know who did it like mm-hmm. otherwise it's like it's an open and shut case if she admits it so yeah i feel like it's just kind of a technicality mm-hmm. that they had to lie about it but anyway the last shot of the show is they're on the beach the five, the, fi- the five main uh, characters, women. the women, mm-hmm. and you get this perspective of them being watched through binoculars yeah. by this detective who once again is like out of a CSI show. Yeah, it's she's a little like, too much. I don't trust these ladies. And she's like <laughs> flicking a lighter open and closed. She's like, something's going on. And she puts on sunglasses and the who music kicks in. And it's, yeah, but um, but it is a good moment for the, the women of the show because they're there with their kids and they're all playing on the beach. And it's kind of shows them together and they, some of them like will put their arm around each other and they're just Mm -hmm. sitting close. And it's sort of like, you know, female solidarity and female friendships is like the most important part of this show and the book. And they kind of emphasize that at the end, the women coming together, despite, you know, their conflicts and differences that they've all had during, you know, the course of the story. Yeah. And another arc that is left dangling is Mm -hmm. Madeline's affair and her being torn up about it. Yeah. And you know, I'm not saying that I'm fine with the storyline kind of being left open. Yeah. Um, you know, cause not everything wraps. I heard Adam Scott who plays Ed talk about this a little bit and he liked the ending and his argument was that like life never rarely gives you like a complete ending, ending for Mm -hmm. things. But the last time we saw Madeline was, you know, a trivia night. And that's when she was the most vulnerable about it. Yeah. yeah. And the most guilty. like guilty and distraught about it. And then it's kind of like, okay, well that's how her storyline. It's like, mm-hmm. no, you let's, I, let's have more. Yeah. Either mm-hmm. she confesses to Ed or she internally is like, okay, I'm just going to deal with this and keep it yeah, to myself. Secret, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just needed some kind of decision or, you know, way to tie that up. Yeah. So that pretty pretty much wraps up everything. Yeah, I think we covered all the mm-hmm. uh, all the little all the minutia mm-hmm. of the uh, huge finale of this show. 
All right, so a new segment we're going to have is our lightning round. Yeah. Where we mention all the things that we want to talk about that don't really like affect the plot at all. So yeah, that we didn't get to cover. Little bits that we want to talk about. Little so, bits. Little bits lightning round. Little bits lightning round. So the first thing I want to mention is in the book, there's this whole plot line with the French nanny. <laughs> <laughs> so Renata has a French nanny for her daughter. And you find out at the end that she's been having an affair with like three or four of the dads in the class. <laughs> and it's this whole thing. And like the guys are like fighting over her at trivia night because it's actually Renata's husband in the book. And you find out that he's been cheating oh, and yeah. then a bunch of other dudes too. And so Renata's <laughs> kind of mad about it. So she's like, I might've like said a few things to people on my way out here. And so like, the dudes in the school are like fighting and then there's a couple guys who are actually like getting physical and right after Bonnie pushes Nathan they like crash through the glass door (laughs) on the balcony and like land on Madeline and Jane and they actually end up in the hospital because Jane broke her ankle and and, uh, Jane broke her collarbone oh my god and but it's so funny because it's like these guys fighting over this French nanny and then they like crash through the window so trivia night is not just crazy like on this the group's end yeah you know the murder thing there's like all kinds of other insanity going (laughs) on and it's wonderful uh, I wanted to mention the music. Yes. The music in this show is fantastic. Oh my God, listen to the soundtrack. Um, I don't know. Dean and I both talked about how we don't know how to describe music very well. No. It's kind of like so, like this Southern gospel soul. rock, soul, yeah. some kind of funk thrown mm-hmm. in there. Uh, it's really, really good though. And especially one song. What's the name of the song? Uh you're a motherfucking oh, asshole. Oh, bloody motherfucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song, and, and Jane's listening to it at one point when she's, like, jogging, and then it kind of, like, cuts at the end, and it's a credit song, mm-hmm. but it's so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, all the music from it is good. Mm-hmm. Okay, next one. Okay, Lightning. next thing. Uh, <laughs> in the book, Jane has a brother, and you find out that his name is Dane, so her parents named their children Jane and Dane. Oh my God. What the hell? (laughs) It's terrible. I'm like, why would you do that to anyone? That's so terrible. Okay. Uh, Jane uh, in the show and the book ends up with a barista named Tom. Oh, yeah. They kind of get together. Yeah, they're so great. And the only reason they don't get together until the end is because Madeline tells Jane that he's gay. Yeah. So this whole time, Jane's like, oh, because Tom is gay, you know? Yeah. And then finally, he. Um, helps Jane out by throwing out Renata's husband who's harassing her. Yeah. And she's like, wow, that was impressive. And he's like, I've been trying to impress you for a while. And she's like, you're not gay. (laughs) (laughs) And then they go to the party together. I know, it's sweet. And in the book, they end up kind of like dating and stuff. It's adorable. Yeah. All right. And next thing I want to mention is Zoe Kravitz, who plays Bonnie in the show. She um, is actually really young, which is surprising. But she's Toast the Knowing from Mad Max. What? Yeah. Toast, the one that has like all the ammunition and the guns and stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. Holy shit. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I realized that and I'm like, oh my God. I have to, I have to look up a picture. I've one no- of our favorite movies. Yeah, so. I know. That's so crazy. And she's also a musician. She has a band. And so she sings a little bit in the show, which is really cool. Unlike uh, Adam Scott, who didn't sing in his part yeah, of the show. Yeah, they like made him lip sync to it. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't good enough for school trivia night. No. Um, I wanted to mention the scene where uh, Madeline and Ned try to have this dinner with... Um, uh, Bonnie and Nathan. Bonnie and Nathan as kind of reconciliation over everything. And this is when Madeline first finds out what uh, her daughter's uh, secret project is. Yeah. And when she finds out, there's this 
moment where she's like trying to figure it out and everything and then she just throws up <laughs> at the table at the table <laughs> and then they're trying to like calm her down and mm-hmm. she throws up again it's so great and <laughs> it's so i love it because um uh bonnie tries to tell her like listen oh, it's okay we have know? to be understanding like our children live in the facebook age and the youtube age and, and their ideas of and then she's madeline like, is just like <laughs> <laughs> throws up at bonnie <laughs> it's so funny is one of my favorite parts I think that ends our lightning round. I think so, too. I think we've covered everything. Cool. So, uh, yeah. So thanks for tuning in. I'm glad we were able to, you know, cover a series. It's been really great. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with us a little bit longer this time since there's so much more to talk about. And honestly, like we've been talking about this a lot and there's so much to it. Like definitely read the book. It's a huge page turner. Like I could not put it down. Yeah. And then the show is just amazing. The show's excellent. It's only seven episodes long. Yeah. Steal your friend's HBO go login and yeah, watch it. Definitely watch it. It's really worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we forgot anything or a moment you want to yeah, yell at us, us about for, like your favorite moments in the book or the show, tweet at us or email us. Mm-hmm. We actually got a uh, an email from our episode last week mm-hmm. where we talked about um, a walk to remember, and yeah. we had a moment where we we're like, "Who eats boiled peanuts? Is that a fifties <laughs> thing?" Yeah, and we got an email from someone saying that it's not a fifties thing; it's a southern thing. They actually eat that in the south. Yeah, and apparently you can buy boiled peanuts everywhere in the south. So you know, if you want to email us uh, and tell us we're wrong about something, do it. Do it, please. <laughs> like, tell us about Big Little Lies. Tell us what we got wrong or what you agreed with. So mm-hmm. you know, we want that fan interaction. Uh, if you want to email us, you can uh, uh, email at uh, cover to credits pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Twitter at cover two credits. The number two. The number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then find on us Facebook on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can find us and follow us on any of those mediums. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us an iTunes review. Yes, if please. If you love the show, um, just give us a little review. Just write up something. Um, we would really, really be in your debt for that. Yeah, yeah. Unless you hate the show and you know, then keep it to yourself. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, a special shout out to uh, Actual Size and Bob Kiernan once again for providing our audio equipment. It's always top notch. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye.